morning, Bedford, and welcome to this week's episode of Heads Up. I'm retired counselor Sue Mullen, and I'm here with my co-host, family therapist Diane Vaccarello. Good morning, Diane. Good morning, Sue. Good to see you. Yep, good to see you too. Looks like you're in a place that I wish I was in right about now (laughs) on the beach, but uh, yeah. it, it is what it is. It is what it is, exactly. It is what it is. Hey, listen, I want to jump right into this week's episode because I uh, kind of left you hanging a little bit with a bit of an assignment when we signed off. If, if you remember, if you remember, we were talking about anxiety and depression in our last episode, uh, an issue that is not only prevalent, but increasing in frequency for a lot of folks, particularly during the the pandemic. Uh, And I gave you an assignment, and that was to think a little bit about how you could, in layperson's terms, sort of talk about anxiety and depression and the differences between children and adults and how things might present. So let me put you right on the spot, right out of the gate and say, Diane, what are we looking at when we look at our children and we're wondering whether or not we ought to be concerned about anxiety and depression? Yes, so this topic we could talk about for so long. We're, we're keeping our um, self-contained, I actually was gonna start my timer on this just so I can stay on track because Uh, We can go in so many different directions. There are developmental models, which teach us, you know, at different ages and stages all the way through the lifespan, how people respond to different um, stressors and uh, internal and external sort of chaos, if you will. What I'll do is focus specifically, I think, towards the pandemic portion and um, I think a couple of subgroups like um, kids in general, and I'm talking like elementary through high school, obviously they have different things that are stressing them out, but I do think um, for purposes of today, we'll do sort of a category of that nature. And then we have um, sort of the adults. Um, We could also talk about elderly, but for today, I think what we'll talk about is teenagers and um, adults because we're, let's face it, we all affect one another. And during the pandemic, we're stuck more inside, for lack of a better term, um, with, you know, our families and teenagers are meant to differentiate and to be very social, you know, kids as they're growing. that's been the most difficult thing has been the lack of social interaction, obviously for adults as well, um, but in a different way with our kids and teenagers. And again, that's their primary job, if you think about it. Um, of course, school is a um, way that they can access that. And uh, paw come up, I saw that paw. I love that paw. I, I want to see what's maybe soon we'll see that so um but the idea that uh with remote learning with hybrid learning with all these different formats uh Mm -hmm. just everything impacted by the pandemic we're coming up on a year of this so when we first were seeing the effects we were talking a lot about anxiety because you know it was like a change on a dime a lot of these things so it was really calling upon our ability to be almost like impulsive right but in a way that we need to be in order to react and respond recalibrate figure out how we're going to get through this as individuals and as families 
then, you know, it's been how long? Right, let me, let me talk, let, let me pause you on that. That's an interesting aspect that I had not thought about at all. This mm-hmm. idea that right out of the gate in March of last year, yes, we were required to make decisions and live our lives in a way that we had no planning or preparation for. None. And um, I don't know about you, but I live in this community and have for many, many decades. This is a community that likes to plan and be prepared. So I would imagine it must have been an even bigger challenge for people who rely on structure. Yes. So those are the people I think that they're literally it rocked their world, you know, because that is like what they've known. In fact, it's been sort of like taught in a certain way not to be reactive and impulsive. But I think in some ways, people who were able to sort of like shift on a dime in a sense, you know, that that have been maybe practicing that, if you will, in life fared a bit better. Um, People who had also been really addressing and working on different layers of anxiety and how it affects them have become more insightful around that fared a little bit better during those earlier stages. It was kind of like, welcome to my world in a sense, you know, and so um, those kids and adults fared better. Then we've had this for many, many months, right? This sort of grind around what two things that I've noticed have happened. One, increasingly over time, um, regardless of age and stage, people are talking about this feeling of like Groundhog Day mm-hmm. and how grinding that is, how much of a wearing down. I think that as a population in general, you know, we need, um, we need variety, we need interest, we need newness. And that's really shows in the kind of the lifestyle of how people have been living for, you know, normal times, if you want to call it that. And the pandemic really put a crunch on that to reevaluate a lot of things and some really silver lining things around, do I need that much travel or do I need that much newness or variety? Can, what can I tolerate and what do I appreciate? What do I value? So it's really been a whole reevaluation, but as we know, those things take a lot of energy. When somebody is entering into a therapeutic process as a customer for that, you know, they're asking for inviting it, but when it's put on you as a sort of like a crisis situation, it really feels different and it takes up a different kind of energy and fatigue. Interesting um, because uh, what I've heard from a lot of parents is uh, that their kids are making statements like, I just want things to be normal again. Yeah. And, And so in some regards, there is a normal, you know, it involves going to school, going to work, seeing your friends, those kinds of things. But each family has a different normal too. That's right. So, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I think it's it's almost a double challenge. There's the community societal norm, and then there's the norm of what is expected in your clan. And then there's the norm within family systems where you have some people who really f- need and thrive energetically on the input of those things and other people who are sort of like, it may be a little bit of the minority, but I don't think it's an extreme number, um, but that are actually appreciating the simplicity or the slowness or the um, sort of more introverted activities, if you will. So, you know, there's a mixed bag and in families that can be really difficult. And my point is that we have to take a very customized approach when we're assessing 
you know, how our kids are doing when we're assessing how we ourselves are doing. It's not going to be a one size fits all by any stretch. We, and that makes it difficult when during a pandemic, you sort of have a one size fits all situation in a sense. We're all being impacted by this and we're all having to do certain things to keep one another safe and ourselves safe. Um, and safety is like a priority, but at a certain level, I also, um, I'm really very, very aware that as much as we're doing for our physical safety or mental health, I feel like it's coming in waves and, um, you know, surfing is just like a metaphor, but surfing, you're, there's like a set of waves that come. And the first one, you know, is not the same as the second and the third, second and the third tend to be, you can expect that they're going to be a little bit bigger and they're going to be a little bit stretched out. And so you know, I do expect that this is going to be the kind of scenario we're dealing with. So if you're already seeing symptoms, we can talk a little bit about what that is. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to sort of like prepare for more of the long haul of this. Vaccines are coming out, things like that are really like helping put some people's mind at ease. Um, but, you know, just like when the new year hit, we had this sort of like sense of that it's going to be a new year. Mm -hmm. um, and when it then didn't feel like a new year. Right that was really discouraging for people. Or what I've heard from also are people who, uh, you know, the whole concept of magical thinking, right? That we yes. get through things by convincing ourselves that for no apparent reason or flipping the calendar that things are gonna be better. Exactly. And when something happened on January 12th or uh, yeah. February 1st, and it was something that wasn't good. It was like, oh no, 2021 is going to be bad also. Exactly. It's called cognitive dissonance and it's uh, um, catastrophic thinking, you know, which is a little bit more uh, prevalent when we have anxiety, which I think, again, anxiety really has taken a toll, but for so long it starts to build up as depression. And so then there's this black or white sort of all or nothing way of responding cognitively and that's what happened for people that it was just sort of like 2021 felt like a wash in a sense for some people. Diane does it happen in a certain order I mean does anxiety happen first and then you build up so much over time that you become depressed or how uh, so they can how exist work? they can exist in and of themselves but they are also sort of like cousins you know and so certainly with anxiety if someone has been dealing with anxiety for a very long time that's, it can get pretty depressing. It can feel um, like, you know, with depression, it's more like a sense of like hopelessness yeah. set in that it's ever going to be different or that a person can feel successful at managing the anxiety symptoms. So then start judging themselves, um, you know, the self-talk, the I am statements, like I am not good at this, um, whatever that is. And then it can kind of spill over, translate to other things in life. And it's not true when we're, you know, when we are, um, especially during pandemic times, we already have this situation where self-talk is like 90% of our day, right? We talk to a lot of different people, but like our self-talk is a very significant portion of the conversation. So during pandemic times, when you're taking away a lot of those other um, external sort of conversations, we're left with our own thoughts and our own conversations way more than we ordinarily might be. Yeah. So even more important that we um, really understand that our thoughts most of the time are not accurate. We have to, we have to really embrace that right now. We have yeah. to encourage that with our kids. It's a teachable 
sort of process with them to realize that thoughts can pop in, they can consume certain, you know, aspects of our lives, but we need to step back like an observer, mm -hmm. not within, not like an actress in the movie or an actor in the movie, but like a, a, somebody in the, you know, um, audience looking yeah. at this movie. So we can not be quite so emotionally caught up in what we're thinking. And so that we can also make a decision to change that thought if we need a different one that works better for us. So I'm thinking um, of, I, I have a number of young friends with kids that range in age from babies to uh, let's say high school. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of a common theme among all of them that they get worn down by their children not managing having to stay at home, not being able to go to school, not being able to see the grandparents, whatever the case may be. Um, and I've even had a couple people say to me, my God, I don't know what happened to me. Yes. Like I was all of a sudden I, I like lost my own common sense and I was allowing them to do things because I was beaten down. So I, I hear that and I feel like people um, need to be really kind to themselves right now around things like that because, you know, the truth of it is we, we can feel beaten down by that. We can feel, we also need to reframe certain things and realize that right now they are very unusual times. We all know that and we all know that um, we do have to sort of take this very customized sort of approach with things and be in certain scenarios with our kids, a little more flexible. Mm -hmm. We do have to be more flexible. I'm really actually encouraging that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean, you know, there, uh, there's like a natural sort of attrition around some of this too. So I'll just say anecdotally that most of the teenagers that I'm working with right now, across the board, they are asking for face-to-face -face meetings, obviously masked, distanced. With you. With me. They are not Even wanting- an adult. They want- an they adult. Want they're asking one to come to therapy. Mm -hmm. They're reaching out to their parents. Some, some are closed off and sort of like, not even, they're sort of like um, struggling at a different level, but some are advocating more for themselves than I have seen in the past, as far as just sort of like opening up um, to something different than just looping in their own minds right now. And what I was saying was interesting is that most everyone wants a face-to-face -face, and it really does make sense when I talk with them, I ask why, and they just are, they, they have screen all the time. They have screen for almost everything. And with a scenario like a therapeutic sort of like process, they're looking to get something out of that um, as opposed to just, you know, parents bringing them like in, you know, sometimes in the so old the relationship is like the relationship and they're looking for connection. Mm -hmm. um, so this connection around joining is happening much, much quicker. I find it's mm -hmm. not taking quite as much because they're really like ready for that. It's more the, um, and they're looking for relief. Um, do, um, do kids act out when they feel disconnected, anxious, sure. depressed? Uh, some close off and close in, mm -hmm. you know, and so, and, and some kids, like you wouldn't even know, and this is a little bit uh, notable. We've had, as you know, we've had um, a definite increase in suicidal thoughts and um, actually in, in attempts. Mm -hmm. um, and for some, 
what's standing out the most is there's not many signs that are coming up for that because they're closing down and closing in. And because there's um, a lot less sort of like um, opportunities for people to have eyes on the situation. So yeah. some of those early signs are, we have to be talking with our kids, even if they're sort of semi annoyed with us, you know, as parents or, or family members, but I'm not finding that that's more the case. I feel like they're looking to, you know, to talk or to understand going back to the conversation around, we can change our thoughts. Mm-hmm. That is at the core of all of this. We need to really teach kids and adults how to change their thoughts that we can have a thought that pops up because with with suicide depression any of that it's it can only be like a thought for three minutes that could be really devastating right Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not been there for a long long time and um so the point is we need to teach people internally how to um have a different relationship with their thoughts and how to replace them and give them permission to give them permission about it Right. Give them permission to talk about it, give them permission to journal and write things down. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I hear kids are worried that if they write things down, somebody's going to read it or find it or whatever they're concerned about that. So whatever needs to be done to provide real safety and security around something like that, we need to do it. We need to do it as families. Hey, I, re- of that. I, I remember when my own kids were uh, teenagers, uh, one of them turned and said to us at one point, you know, you always start everything with no. When I come in and say, can I, you know, can I, it's like, no, 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 no. And literally I had to train myself how to just substitute the, sa- the statement. Let me think about that. Love that. Buying and- yourself time as an adult and a parent is also a good idea right i love let me think about that but it also is a different instead of like nails on a chalkboard or like a broken record right that is like almost it becomes that no was uh i'm gonna say no and you're gonna be mad at me within the first 15 seconds of the conversation you know the pattern and what that's gonna look like and yep. it's drudgery. And that's what I'm talking about with the pandemic, that groundhog or or nails on unchi- the same yeah, over and over again is not really good for the human psyche. So we do need to change it up. I love that that's how you replace that. And I bet it felt so much different. And, you know, we got to be able to say, like, how did that feel? What, did that feel a lot different than, you know, we've got to recognize these well, things. Yeah, and it took body. a long time to figure out that let me think about that was the exact same thing as no. Right. Except it was in a different package. And after you say, let me think about that for a while, you might have to change it up from there. You know, it's like with couples work, sometimes we'll talk about like, um, uh, like a keyword instead of like the same conversation or the same reaction a person is expecting. You come up with a keyword that says, I want to say that, but I'm not going to say that could be the word pickle it doesn't even matter but after a while using pickle you got to change it to something else too right so it's keeping right. it moving so that the raw spots aren't you don't don't keep rubbing the raw spots yeah. you gotta know what those spots are and um but again going back to sort of the respect around um conversation and people's emotions it's really just getting um being respectful and curious and more light-hearted um yeah around other things to kind of offset the heaviness that people are sort of feeling at times. I don't know about you, but I have never had adults respond to me or nor have I responded to adults more with, I get that. 
like people are saying things like, you know, this pandemic is relentless. This is getting old. I've had it. I'm done with this. And first of all, just saying that out loud, I think is a release for a lot yeah. of adults. Yeah. But being affirmed by your friends and family who are saying, oh, I totally get that. I totally yeah. understand why you want to rip your hair out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that I think is actually a benefit that's coming out of this experience, you know, that we recognize that we need to be kind and listen to each other. Exactly right. And that we're all in this together, most importantly. So again, that connection or feeling like, you know, there's that, whereas um, that's what we need more of. We need to just keep um, showing up for one another in those kinds of conversations, you know, even if it's remote and a shared experience that does help us feel like we're collective and community right. um, because we just have, you know, different layers that have been taken away, but we need to really keep as much of that online as possible. So that brings me to another just sort of thought about with, um, with kids, with adults, you know, there, we're at a point where it's sort of like, with the vaccines, it's still unknown. It's a lot of unknowns around how much time, um, how is this gonna affect spring? How is this gonna affect, you know, so people just still are along those lines. Um, having, everybody has to make their own decisions. Everybody's situation is different, but some of the things that um, I'm hearing people ask about or talk about is can there be sort of like these outdoor pods, if you will, for teenagers where they can still be safe with masks, with whatever um, procedures we need to have in place for that, but can have, you know, and this is not going to be every teenager. Some are perfectly sort of happy gaming in their room and having some like time to do that. Or some might be really interested in having like this outdoor sort of certain pod um, grouping that they can, you know, uh, have communication with or have experience with um, having kids get together, even if it's remotely to um, organize, like do something for people. Right. That's another sort of just when you look at some of the antidotes to some of these mental drains and the depression ends of things, doing things for other people is really like something that gets kids excited. There was this um, family that I know many people sort of pitched in in the community to help um, through the holiday time and people were so, it just felt so good to like do something different. Yeah, so sort of taking your angst and putting it into action of, yes. of some sort. Yes, yes. And feel like there's some productivity coming out of that, you yeah. know, some, some um, a good distraction in a sense. I know that the skating rink at Joppa Hill Farm has never seen so much action in its life as For it sure. is here. So great. Yeah, I have seen people out walking in neighborhoods even during the winter, you know, I mean, we're all, we all think that we're rugged New Englanders, but we yeah. tend to be in our little habitats during the winter. Right. But uh, now all of a sudden, if it's above 35 degrees, people think it's warm. They're outside. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, sure. so those are, those are benefits that are coming out of it. So, uh, I mean, in terms of parents helping kids, maybe being able to help their children identify the things that are okay Yes. And that they're what they're um, like maybe wanting to do. And some of those will be, a, I have to think about it or a no, um, you know, but it's still important to kind of identify what they are and also do a little bit of processing around how they're acknowledging, I guess, around the, the losses that are taking place and that those in and of themselves are so individually based mm -hmm. and what a loss for one person isn't for another, but really just acknowledge 
if that person is saying that that's a loss for them, it's a loss for them. Right. And we all know that particularly for the preteen and teen set, that their social group, their peers, huge, have elevated status anyhow, under normal circumstances. For sure. Yeah. So it's not all that surprising that they would um, really feel it on a gut level when they can't make contact with those people that mean so much to them. Exactly. It's checking in um, again on a customized level as well for, you know, reaching out with their peers. There's a lot of, of course, social media is a whole nother thing we could talk about, but for the pandemic times, there's a little bit of a mixed bag with it. It's been really great for kids to be able to connect at the same time for some kids, the intensity has definitely increased around, you know, they're seeing themselves on camera and Mm -hmm. there's some body image pieces, you know, with that age group um, that can pop up and there's some, you know, they're calling it like instead of freshman 15, the COVID 15, there's people worried about their like weight gain and how they are seen on camera. So there's things like, um, body image stuff that's coming up. And we just need to also um, recognize that with some of the social media people, some of the kids get so sucked into like, this is all they have right now in some ways. So every comment means so much and it always has to a certain degree for certain um, groups. But honestly, it's been a little bit more intense in that area. So if there's something that's not working, we have to, we have to be able to find out what is that like for you, you know, and what is going at like, you know, is this working for you? Is it not working for you? Just even if they don't want to talk to you about it, just asking them to think about, is it working for them? Right. Um, Cause they actually are very, um, a lot of these kids, they come up with things when they realize, oh, this is, I can change it with something else. Like even just subtly, they'll mm-hmm. come up with some adjustments on their own sometimes. I know you're going to be, remarkable. you're going to be brokenhearted to, to, to discover that we have two minutes of time left <laughs> together. We worry, we worry all the time about not having enough to talk about, and then we get through 10% of what we have planned. Sure. But, all, every time. Uh, maybe in the next episode, we can talk a little bit about um, what adults can do to yes. make room for the anxiety, the depression, the pandemic, and how adult peer relationships are influenced by going through things like this. For sure. Um, Diane, I know that um, Bill Jennings asked uh, me to mention the fact that this is, Heads Up is going to be a series of conversations between us. Right. And that if you happen to come in and you miss the first one or the second one or whatever, that you can always go to BCTV online to the video library or whatever and, and look for the episodes that you've missed. Yes. Um, And also be able to um, let us know what certain subjects or topics you might be interested in hearing more about and from what sort of like angle. So we're very open um, to that. There's many directions that we need a heads up on. So, well, I am delighted to see you again. Yes. uh, Is there anything you want me to focus on for next uh, for our, our, our next meeting? I love that you um, keep things on track as far as like a thread that's continuous through our conversation. So I'm sure there's something that we talked about today that might have piqued your interest a little bit more. And maybe you could share that and um, say, can we learn a little bit more about that? And I'd be happy to oblige. Well, I will be more than delighted to get a hold of you in between episodes. And until then, 
we wish the best to our Bedford audience and stay yeah. tuned because we'll be back with another episode of Heads Up. Take Thanks, care, everyone. everyone. All right. Bye. Bye.